Hello and welcome to Primary Sources, a spin-off podcast from the Doctor Who show, where we take what fans were saying about Doctor Who in the 80s and the 90s, generally in letters to Doctor Who magazine, and we riff on it. The conversation might stick closely to what's said in the letters, or it might go somewhere else entirely. This is podcasting without a safety net, folks. For this episode, I'm joined by Michael Solko. Hello, Mike. Hey, Rob. How are you doing today? Really well, thanks. This is, I believe, your fourth time on the show in a five-year period, because before we got on there, I counted a a couple of co-hosting gigs from you on some of our flagship episodes, 40 Companions in 40 Minutes, almost, parentheses, very important on that episode. (laughs) Um, Season 27, Big Finish Style, that was another great flagship episode. And you also helped uh, take the reins with me on a Gallifrey One special several years ago now do you remember that one i i I do and i'd forgotten about that one um gallifrey one with all the pandemic and everything hasn't been huge in my memory but uh right that's no i do remember that in retrospect so wow four times that's pretty cool and excited to be back i think it might be a record yeah i guess perhaps we'll see (laughs) (laughs) well look uh without any further ado here we are again i have a copy of doctor who magazine in front of me do you have any guesses as to what it might be or even what you would like it to be so uh, I, I'm kind of in a Colin mood lately, but I know mm-hmm. that McCoy has kind of always been more of my era. So uh, let's just say 166. Well, I've wrong-footed you completely and gone with 233 from the 20th of December 1995. Wow. Okay, so this is around the TV movie era. Yeah, the TV movie is coming in the in the near future. People are talking about it. McGann is appearing on some magazine covers, one of them with a shaved head. <laughs> That's right. Holding a crystal, standing in front of the uh, TARDIS. Uh, <laughs> we, we were desperate for any content we could get at that point. Yeah, good times. Good times all around. Absolutely. I, I kind of miss those days. But, yeah. you know, I guess having a TV show is much better in retrospect. Ah, uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's get into the letters. This first one is called Doctor Who is not sci-fi. Interesting to read the opinions of Simon Rudman and Tom Spilsbury in Dwim 231's letter column and the conclusion they seem to have reached that in order to return as a great success, the American Doctor Who should follow the lead of Star Trek. A fascinating idea, but I can spot one tiny flaw in the plan. Some of us have absolutely no interest in Star Trek. My problem is simple. I'm not interested in science fiction on the whole, and both Simon and Tom seem to assume that I would be, just because I like Doctor Who. My opinion has always been that Who has more to do with folklore than science fiction, and that its roots lie in Arthurian romance and European mythology, which are interesting things not in space opera and phases on stunt militarism, which are tedious things. Yes, it uses sci-fi props, spaceships, killer robots, etc. But how important are props? And isn't claiming that it's similar to Star Trek because they both use these props, like saying that Alo-Alo is similar to Les Miserables because they're both set in France. Now, I find the statement... One has to admit that Star Trek's modern-day versions run rings around our program in almost every respect. Alarming, not only because I disagree with it, but because comparing the two, whichever you prefer, is about as sensible as comparing fish to grass. They're different genres, with entirely different philosophies. 
Whether Doctor Who returns in a similar format or an entirely new one is unimportant, but why on earth would anyone want it to follow the lead of a program that it has absolutely nothing in common with? And a very dull program to boot. Now that letter, Mike, is from Lawrence Miles. <laughs> sort of near wow. London, but not that near. <laughs> well, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, and hearing it's from Lawrence Miles certainly uh, adds a little additional baggage on that pile. Yes, it does. Um, to, the first thought that really strikes me is that we're looking at this from the lens of 2022. We can turn on Netflix, Hulu, any streaming service available to us and find dozens of science fiction shows, dozens of movies available to us at any time mm -hmm. uh, through the Internet. We have all sorts of science fiction that's available to us that was never there before uh, in all kinds of alternate formats. Uh, and when you go back to 1995, you were looking at a much more limited palette to work from. You had X-Files. You had a few of the Star Treks that were out at that point. Um, perhaps whatever Gene Roddenberry property they were trying to revive or a Twilight Zone <laughs> revival. But uh, it, it just it was a very limited amount of, of science fiction television, uh, mm -hmm. because I think if you're saying Star Trek or Star Trek The Next Generation compared to Doctor Who, it, it is not a very strong comparison. There, there's not necessarily a whole lot in common there. I, I think that there was plenty about Star Trek The Next Generation that probably is or deserves more credit than Lawrence gave it there. Yes, it certainly could be boring at times, but it wasn't necessarily fully militaristic either. Nah. There was a lot of character development and some very strong science fiction episodes or episodes that don't re rely on science fiction concepts. It's more about the characters and the inherent conflict among those characters. And, you know, certainly there's their fair, fair amount of uh, raise power to shields, deflector dish array, all that sort of stuff. And, and, and Doctor Who's had its own kind of techno babble, both in the classic series and the modern series. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll jump in there and say, well, yeah. they, were the, they were the cheaper episodes of Star Trek to make because <laughs> you've got the Enterprise set. If you just have people having some uh, interpersonal conflict on there, it's a lot cheaper than doing a, a space battle, for example. Absolutely. Uh, put put Patrick Stewart and David Warner in a room with four lights or five lights. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've you've got the, the basis of a really strong two hander, exactly. uh, you know, and, and those are often the episodes we remember. Uh, Darmok, you know, things like that. Those are the ones that stand out in people's memories. We tend to remember character moments more than we remember big events that happened. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think in some ways you could almost say it's the difference between Russell Davies, who and Stephen Moffat, who. One is very character driven, one's very plot driven. So certainly I think through that 1995 lens that, you know, what he would have been looking at it, I can see where the trepidation would come in. And uh, certainly there's things I think could have been really problematic or not problematic so much as just not very good. Two things that come to mind is first off, uh, looking at the series Bible they had for McGann, they were talking about uh, Cybermen would be called the Cybes and they would show yes. up every other episode. The master would be behind almost every plot, mm. as well as just the fact that the United States format of 22 episodes per season is a catastrophe. It is virtually impossible to come up with 22 episodes of something in a row in a one-year time frame that have any sort of consistent quality. Uh, that's one area, area where the, the prestige television format we have right now, where things are anywhere from six episodes to 12 episodes, and, and the stories just sort of, you know, they, they really follow what they need to follow. It's not made just for the sake of being made. I, I think that's something that certainly suits Doctor Who very well. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I do like to look back on a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something, and there are just so many episodes, and because there are so <laughs> many episodes, it could do some odd things at times because there was room to play. So maybe that's the flip side of the coin. But maybe in a in a society like we have now, where we're all very, very time poor, just watching six episodes for the year and you're done is maybe a better way to consume media in general. That's another great point, though. The experimentation and, and really kind of that, that pressure that comes from having to fill 22 episodes. Yeah, you're going to get some pretty dire stuff, but you're going to get the wacky episodes that it's just, hey, let's throw something at the wall and see what sticks. Mm. So so there is that that kind of balance. Uh and, and just the idea that Doctor Who isn't science fiction, I, I think that that's, I, I understand he's trying to make a point. I just don't think it's a very strong point or a very good point. Mm, well, I I think of a lot of Doctor Who as science fantasy more than science fiction. I mean, there are periods in the show where you can say that's very science fiction, like Christopher H. Bidmead's brief period on the show, or maybe the early Pertwee era. Maybe some of the Pat stuff where Kit Peddler's involved, that that is science fiction. But generally, it seems to be science fantasy to my mind. I think that's very true as well, is uh, it, they, they don't let science get in the way of the storytelling they want to do. Exactly. And, you know, very much. It's a magic box that's bigger on the inside than the outside. There's there's no amount of explaining that, that really, truly makes sense in that regard. So science fiction is more of uh, just the, the tool that we use to get to the, the events of the story. Sometimes it does inform things like the, the robots or creatures we encounter along the way, but it really does come back to characterization and the events of those characters making choices. Yeah. Now, one, one thing I wanted to raise just before we, we move on is even the way Lawrence describes what's coming up you know the McGann TV movie as the American Doctor Who there was this perception that Doctor Who was about to become this very different thing maybe something that even you know the the some of the Brits didn't even particularly want because Doctor Who must be English damn it sort of thing <laughs> so that, that there was all of that sort of swirling around at the time and I sort of take that from his comment the American Doctor Who it's not just Doctor Who it's the American Doctor Who and as an American Doctor Who fan I I can appreciate that sentiment it felt very 1990s Fox television, which, of course, is who produced it. Right. Uh, and there was just a lot of things. I, I don't want to see the doctor running around San Francisco by way of Toronto. I, I want it to feel English. Of course, a lot of it's going to happen in outer space or the past or on sets where it can be filmed anywhere. But but without that English tie, it could be a little frustrating. It just it it's hard. It just doesn't feel like Doctor Who at times. Mm, and that certainly seemed to bother them quite a bit back then. Yes, absolutely. Alrighty. Let's move on to our second letter. This one's called Be a Ladylike. Hmm. In reference to the fluid links in Dwim 231, I, like Matthew Jones, feel that there is no tangible reason why the Doctor couldn't be played by a woman. Oh, outrage. <laughs> the Doctor does not engage in sex in any form. His relationship with his companions has been more like a parent-child relationship than a relationship between lovers. I also feel that the Doctor being a woman would add an extra dimension to the character and add a new vitality to the program. The reason why Doctor Who remained on television for 26 years and remains popular even now is because of its ability to change and adapt to new situations. Such a change now, I feel, would add rather than detract from the quality of the program on the grounds that Doctor Who would be seen to be taking risks 
rather than playing it safe. The producers of Star Trek were keen to be seen taking the same risk when appointing Kate Mulgrew to play the captain in Star Trek Voyager, and that has been reasonably successful. I can't see why such a risk on Doctor Who should have a different result. As for who I feel should play the Doctor, although I feel that an American, somebody like Jane Curtin, who is Ally of Kate and Ally, could play the role, a British actress should be given first refusal. For that reason, I suggest Linda Bellingham, Belinda Lang, or Joanna Lumley. Obviously, people are going to disagree with me, but I feel that a change of both formula and gender is necessary so that the show can break what was, in the last four years in particular, becoming a stereotypical mould. And that's from Neil Blanks in Hampshire. Wow. Neil Blanks is far ahead of his time. He certainly is, because when people look back to that time, they say, oh, no one wanted a female doctor. Well, I'm sorry. I have a primary source in front of me. Neil Blanks did. Yes, uh, it's it's fascinating. And I'm going to have to try to track down that fluid links that, that Matthew Jones wrote, because I'm kind of curious about the context now. And, and because Dave's not here, I'll just mention Matthew Jones, writer of Bad Therapy, one of the best new adventures. <laughs> that is precisely what Dave would have wanted you to say. <laughs> But uh, getting back to the, to the letter at hand, it, it's very fascinating to me because I think that that was probably in opposition to the most of fandom at that time. I, yeah, I sure. feel that uh, fandom was probably a little more male oriented at that time. Uh, and just as we saw in the previous letter, just very resistant to change. You know, Doctor Who needs to be British. It needs to be these things. It can't be these things. So the idea that this writer has that that there's nothing that would change and in fact it would probably improve things, uh, it's a very impressive statement for the time and, and one I probably shamefully would not have agreed with at the time. Mm. And I'll circle back to that. I, I, I did think it was sort of interesting though that he framed things in terms of romance. And that's another thing that as as there's kind of rumors about the upcoming Doctor who will be closer by the time this episode drops, uh, you know, that they're even talking about the, the, the possibility of a gay doctor or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, we've seen hints of, uh, of Yaz and, and the 13th Doctor having some sort of feelings for each other. So it's interesting that it was framed by this letter writer in terms of whether or not romance was a factor. I found that interesting from the point of view that it's almost like his reason why it could be a woman is because he he says the doctor does not engage in sex in any form. And it's like, well, does that make it okay for the doctor to be a woman because there's no sex or would it (laughs) or if the doctor engaged in sex, could it not be a woman? I, I didn't quite grasp the point there. Yeah. And, and again, I think that's just where over time things shift and, and we come at things from different perceptions. I, I would be very curious to hear what this letter writer thought about the kiss we encountered the next year <laughs> yes. when uh, Paul McGann and Daphne Ashbrook had that controversial chaste kiss mm. <laughs> that really wasn't that shocking in retrospect. But But yeah, it's sort of an interesting point that he comes at it from. And kind of where I was at at that point in time is I very much would have said, you know, yes, the doctor needs to be English. The doctor needs to be male. And, Mm. you know, I I don't think I would have had any problem with race. And again, I don't say anything about this with any sort of pride or anything like that. I think it's incredibly shameful that I was so close minded about it at that point. It really took me a fair amount of time to realize it doesn't matter. It doesn't make anything worse. And as as this letter writer said, it really opens up the doors and, and adds so much potential. 
And mm. the one thing I would kind of say that changed my mind in a big way, and this is credit to Stephen Moffat, is by introducing, uh, we had the Time Lord guard who regenerates from a man to a woman. Uh, and then we also had, of course, Missy, who is this dynamic character who, although the way she played it isn't the same as other masters, I mean, it was the same character. And it was mm-hmm. one of the best incarnations of that character. So that's where over time, I, I certainly feel that my own eyes were opened and I realized, hey, quit being an idiot and start <laughs> accepting this. This is a really positive thing. Yeah, I was going to say I came to like Missy more over time myself. And I think time is an important thing because when you look at this era where the show has been gone for a while and it's coming back, people don't want it to change too much they want it back just as they remember you can see why there's this reticence to do anything strange or odd or, or change the sex of the the lead and such whereas once the show came back and was back with us for many years and many doctors it sort of becomes more palatable you, you sort of open up a bit more i think well we can do more now because you know i've i've had my cake and eaten it too now let what else can we do mm-hmm Exactly. And now we've drastically increased the chances of finding a doctor who's going to be very amazing and mm-hmm. who's going to provide insights and things like that. And and it was very heartening to even see during this latest round of uh, everybody doing their fantasy casting, how many people were fo- focusing almost exclusively on women as the doctor, mm. you know, and uh, and again, I, I as always, you know, as everyone says, it should be the best person for the role and what the best person is for the role is going to change over time, depending on the showrunner, the scripts, et cetera, and what's needed. But yeah, uh, to to uh, to exclude over 50 percent of the population just just for some sort of stodgy uh resistance to to what's happened before you know we it's not a good look it's not a good look and like i said i i look back historically and i i'm very disappointed myself but i'm thankful that my own views have grown over time Hmm. but but again it it was of the era i i I don't think you were doing anything particularly odd at the time you know because i certainly felt the same way myself yeah absolutely and uh i i know we don't have time to go into probably what we thought of jody as the doctor that would be two and a half podcasts at least but <laughs> but but i'm i'm very thankful that uh chris chibnall took that chance and i'm very thankful for everything jody has given to the role and, and done from her performances and just how great she's been to fans over the past several years so uh you know i i'm not the biggest fan of the scripts but I'm very thankful for what we've had over the last few years. And, uh, I, I, and I hope that this lowers people's, uh, hesitation or, or just drops those walls down just so that people who might've been doubtful of the past are more open to the idea in the future. Yeah. I look, I think when people look back on this era, they'll have their thoughts still on, you know, what they think of certain aspects of it, but there are still good moments. You know, I think of Demons of the Punjab. I think of Haunting a Villa Diodati. There are stories I quite like in this era, even if I might not like the whole era. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's true. Most eras, uh, there may be a better hit to miss ratio for some of us, but mm. as always, you know, uh, so, some of us like Collins, some of us like Davo, and that's <laughs> what makes Doctor Who fandom fun. And on that bombshell, we're coming up on our 20 minutes, Mike. All that remains for me to say is thank you so much for taking the time with me today. Thank you, Rob. It's been great. I hope to talk to you again sometime soon. I hope so, too. And where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, goodness. Uh, at M-A-S-O-L-K-O on Twitter. Give him a follow, folks. <laughs>